Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and today I chat with Darren Dake, who teaches death investigation, which is a very niche topic. So we'll hear how he's having a lot of success in that niche. We'll learn how he's building his business to be successful so that it can thrive when he retires from his full-time job. Plus, we'll hear some of his craziest death investigation stories. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Please, if you haven't done so already, leave a review for this show wherever you listen to it. Now, let's get straight to the interview. All right, Online Course Masters, I'm here today with Darren Dake, and he teaches just a topic that is so interesting, and it's a very niche topic, and that's really what we're going to be talking about today. So welcome to the show, Darren, and let's jump right into it and talk about what what do you teach online? Well, very interesting. I teach uh, death investigation uh, skills and practicalities, uh, and I teach coroners and, and police officers about death investigation. And again, it's about how to investigate dead people. So very, <laughs> that, very that, unique. Yeah, that is very unique. Um, how big is the audience for people trying to figure out, trying to learn about death investigating? Well, you know, our podcast is about 15,000 downloads a month, um, you know, but, but not very big to some, a lot bigger to others. Uh, and I think that part of uh, our growth is uh, people finding us. I, I think that if we if we could get the word out there more, we would be a whole lot more downloads because there's a whole lot more death investigators than 15,000 people. But um, majority is the United States, but we are in uh, several other countries as well. Yeah, well, that's amazing. And that just goes to show that. I mean, 15,000 people, I think, is a solid amount for people listening to a podcast. And it really goes to show that you could create a podcast for sort of any type of audience. I mean, I imagine, you know, there's a lot of people who are just curious about this subject after watching TV shows, <laughs> watching Dexter, watching NCIS, all these shows and or listening to other podcasts about, you know, this kind of st- serial. I imagine you get a lot of traffic from those people that are just kind of interested. Um, talk... Uh, can you share a little bit more about how you got into death investigating and uh, what your background is? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to your point, well, I'll go about other listeners. We have a lot of and I say we a lot because uh, it's me and my team. But uh, we have a lot of listeners that are authors. Um, in fact, there is a uh, television show that I'm, I'm not allowed to say who, but there's a television show and we had a classroom training that actually the writer for that TV show flew out to Missouri because they've been listening to the podcast because they want to learn on how to write the better show. Nice. Um, so, that's awesome. <laughs> and that's great. And, and so we have those people listening as well. But your question was, you know, how I got into death investigation. You know, I've been in this 30 years, Phil. I, I started out as a military policeman in the Army. Um, from there, I went to be uh, at the local sheriff's department and and made detective lieutenant, and then eventually joined up with the coroner's office to where I was detective and investigator. It's just kind of been a natural uh, way of me going towards death investigation. I was never really interested in property crime. I found that I could work death investigation. I I was good at the puzzle, and and, and quite frankly, I was good at dealing with the 
the scenes, the, the things that are visual that you see and hear that, that most people aren't. And so it does take a special a special person. It's not like I'm patting myself on the back. I'm not. But it takes a special person to actually be able to deal with that. Uh, I am, and I can get the answers for the family, whether it be prosecution or whatever it is. So I find that I'm good at it. I enjoy it. And um, that's kind of what led me down that road. I've been at it now for, well, counting my military police time, 30 years in law enforcement. Wow. Well, it definitely seems like an interesting career path. And what's sort of the traditional way that people get into it? Is it just through like being a policeman and then figuring out or a detective and going into to these you know, scenes and getting more in, interested in it? Or is there a traditional sort of education for death investigation? Well, that's a un, unique question because it goes, you go to investigation a lot of different ways. So there's death investigation as far as police side. So if you're a detective and you're working death investigation uh, in that regard, and, and most detectives then will work this, the, the, not the scene itself as much as working uh, the case, trying to find the suspect. But there's also coroners, and a lot of states have coroners where they're an elected official that they and their office is responsible to investigate death along with the police. Well, then with that, there's medical examiners, and some states are only medical examiners. Some have both, and there's investigators that work for the medical examiner's office. So you can see that there's a lot of different avenues in death investigation. It's all centered around the most important piece of evidence is the body. So all of us are there for one purpose. But then, you know, there's police officers that work property crimes and street crimes and write you traffic tickets and things like that. They don't they don't do anything with dead bodies. So I concentrate on the ones that, that work with dead bodies. And so your, your question was how to get into that field. Well, there is no exact degree for that. Um, a lot of people will take forensics or uh, anatomy and things like that. But when it comes to actually getting into the field of death investigation, it depends largely on whether you want to be coroner, medical examiner, or police, and what state you live in because they're all different. Got it. Got it. So, oh, that's so interesting. So before we dive into more of like, I'm just interested in what what are students actually learning? What do the videos look like? Are there any sort of interesting cases that you can share stories about? I'm sure our listeners would be curious to know. <laughs> well, I'm sure. And and we do talk about some of those on the show sometimes as well. But, but uh, first off, I'll say that probably anything that you or your listeners have ever heard about on TV or seen on TV in some way, I've worked that case. I mean, car accidents, murders, child deaths, um, the suicides, the weird ones. I mean, if plane crashes in all these years, I've probably worked everything you could think of. But, you know, one of the one of the weird ones that, that uh, stands out to me and it's it was on a television show, uh, 101 Ways to Die. I think we've all probably seen that show. Well, there was a guy there that uh, did this somewhere else. Well, we had tour. We have a hard, large tourism in our county. And a lot of rivers and floating and camping. Well, one of the guys had seen that show. Now, get, keep in mind, he'd seen the show. So he knows there's 101 ways to die. Well, he agreed that he could probably do it better. So he took a fish out of the river, a little bluegill, and him being drunk, he said, watch me swallow this. Well, of course, he held it up and he swallowed it. Well, it didn't go down all the way. And as you know, when that dorsal, that, the dorsal fin comes up, it cannot come back out. And, of course... He asphyxiated, fell in the fire, and his friends all thought he was joking until his hair caught fire, and then they got him out, and, of course, he was dead when we got there. So, again, just because you see it on TV, you know, this hold my beer, watch this is always the last thing of a drunk redneck, and we see it all the time. <laughs> that, 
I don't think I would have believed that if I heard that from someone else. That's it's th- very true. Hey, we've got a bluff that overlooks the river off of a farm in our county, and people will stop at the river and uh, and they'll walk up the hill, and we put a huge billboard up there that says. To date, X number of people have died and X number of people have been severely injured. Do not jump off this bluff. Uh, several times a summer, they go around the billboard to jump off. And, of course, we have to go back up there and change the number on the billboard of how many people died or got seriously injured. Uh, drunk equals stupid, and it keeps me busy. That, yeah, I guess you have some sort of job security, which is kind of sad. But <laughs> I, I'm sure, let's jump right to how can people find out more about you? I know you have the podcast, but for people listening right now who might want to just pop over to your website, where where's the best place to look at your stuff? Certainly. So, uh, of course, Coroner Talk is a podcast, so it's coronertalk.com. But also, uh, Death Investigation Training Academy, that's a... Uh, where we do most of our online training and of course anything we have comes out of that so so uh cornertalk.com or or uh, or death investigation training academy either one of those go to all of our social medias there and all that stuff and and uh, of course connect with the podcast and and then from there you can connect with us yeah definitely and i'll include those links on onlinecoursemasters.com too so let's talk about the courses so you have this career this passion this expertise did you start teaching this before you went online or did you jump straight into creating online courses right so i i've been teaching in classroom for years i've you know i've got a teacher's heart i think i've heard you say that on not only your podcast but also on some of your online courses and i do have a teacher's heart and i have taught for years uh, law enforcement classes and so in three years in 2014 i started the corner talk podcast and that was to teach that was for people to learn death investigation and things well as Time went on, of course. I thought about some some online courses, and then I started recording some uh, pitifully horrible online courses. Uh, but I got I recorded some, got rejected by Udemy because it was too quote graphic, and I violated their policy. And uh, so I went to search, and and then I found another platform. But I just you know I wanted to start to get some courses up there, not necessarily for financial, but but yeah, okay, it takes money to run a podcast, and so it'd be nice to have a little bit of money on that. Um, but and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But that has grown exponentially over the last three years. Nice, nice. So that's interesting about you know getting not getting approved on Udemy. I was curious, like, what are your classes? What what is the in the class? Are you do you got pictures or video of dead bodies that you're showing? Like, if this happens, then this is a sign of this. Is that actually what people are seeing? Yes, all of the above. So you know, if you take if you take my course, for instance, on. Um, uh, determining time of death. Um, you know, you're going to have uh, pictures of dead people in different stages of death. So, you know, what is livermortis? What is rigor mortis? Uh, how? What is decomposition? Uh, what after so long they go into skeletal remains? Whatever. And and you have to, and what is what is lividity and 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 how is the lividity fixed or not fixed? Well, I have to show that. And so um, now there's no faces on there. Uh, the bodies are not identifiable. Uh, anything that shows a face has either been blurred out or we've moved the camera to where you can't see the face. Um, and so it's not anything that uh, is disrespectful. And certainly anything that violates the law because it can be in any book. In fact, you've seen a lot of books that all they have is a black line across their eyes. Look, if that was my dad, I could still tell you it was my dad, right? But but we don't do that. We blur everything out. and, and uh, But you can't learn it if you don't see it. Mm-hmm. And so we draw blood, um, which this would be a little bit shocking, but hey, we are talking about this topic. 
So one of the best indicators of drug and alcohol is vitreous humor. Uh, do you know what vitreous humor is, Phil? I don't know that, no. That is the clear fluid in your eyeballs. Ooh. And so it is better than blood. And so and when we have accidents and things, we have to extract that. Well, the only way I can teach you how to extract that on video is to show you on video how to do it. So um, does that answer kind of what some of our videos have? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of understand maybe why it wasn't approved by you to me. But, but you t did say a couple courses. You do have a couple courses on Udemy. Are those kind of different? Well, so I, I just recently I went back to Udemy and I asked them about their policy and they gave me a, the details of it. And I thought, well, I think I can fit that. So my um, determining time of death course, I put it back on there, modified it just a little bit. And then I put some a couple of courses on there that was like uh, conflict management and uh, dealing with uh, PTSD for law enforcement, uh, things like that, just to see what um, just just to get something going with you to me. You know, if I can get an income over there, great, that's fine. But again, there's so much I can't do that it, Udemy's not, and it, that's not my audience. Udemy is not my audience. I just thought some people might bump into it, and you know. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's it, it isn't a course that millions of people might want to learn. And those are the courses that Udemy, you know, really thri thrive on Udemy. I'm on your, your website right now and I see like all of your courses. It seems like you have it laid out in kind of like a full curriculum for a student as if you were going through a program. Is that kind of the idea that you have like classes on everything someone would need to know to become a death investigator? Yes. In fact, we do have the master class. It's a Medical Legal Death Investigation Academy, and it's a 40-hour program, not just in video, but then it has a lot of skills and downloadable material and things like that. But that course is made up of every one of the individual courses mm -hmm. that we have, because some person might only want to take this course or that course, and then eventually they'll take the master class. Uh, so uh, master class has more, but I think we have, I think, 18 individual classes 18 or 19 and then i have the the master class so yeah and what's like the pricing for the classes the individual or like the master class look like yeah so generally i try to price them at 25 dollars per credit hour now hmm. in credit hours it, it depends on the the accrediting agency so so let's say the video might only be uh three videos consisting of like 35 minutes well, I might give an hour of time for that because you've got skills, some skill stuff. You may have some testing, some additional reading. And in the accreditation world, 50 minutes is an hour, not 60. So, mm -hmm. uh, so as long as they can get a, a 50 minutes worth of interaction, then that's considered an hour. So, so I, most of our courses are $25 per credit hour. Now, it might take you, it might legitimately take you an hour and a half to finish the course if you read slow or whatever, but and so the master class, though, of course, it's so large. It's 40-plus hours uh, with all the material and everything. We only charge $6.95 for that. So that's really not $25 an hour. That's, that's a lot cheaper. So it's like $15 an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but that's because, again, I, it, it could get toward be so costly that nobody could take advantage of it. And $6.95 is a very fair price for, for the amount that they're getting. And, and, in fact, there are a lot of agencies that are starting to use that course for their new investigators to take the course before they actually start to work with their agency. So that's how good it's been approved so far. Wow, that's awesome. So a lot of things that we can dive into. It reminds me of another podcast episode I did with Raymond Modulin, who does real estate training in 
Indiana. And this whole sort of certification or accreditation is a little bit different than what what I do and a lot of people listening might do, but it, it seems like a way that you can charge higher for your courses. So how do you how did you in Missouri because I don't know if it's different in other states or places, how do you f- even go about getting accredited? All right, so in, the, in whatever industry you're in, and of course I'm in the death investigation industry, and so there's two big affiliations for that. One is the American Board of Medical Legal Death Investigators, and ABMDI for short. And ABMDI is the national standard for death investigators. So in effect... The federal government is pushing for some mandates across the country, and ABMDI would be the governing body for that. So I have to submit my courses to them. They review the courses, um, not only in time, but material and content, and then they give a stamp of approval for one year. And every year I have to resubmit. Has there been changes? Is it the same content? And also, if, if something comes out in forensics or something changes in the law, well, they have to make sure that I've updated my course. So every year it has to be changed or up or looked at. And then, of course, there's American College of Forensic Examiners. Uh, that is another agency that also ap- approves us. Uh, and then every state has their own accrediting type agency for law enforcement, and we're accredited by most states as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's just a matter of applying, meeting their requirements, and then they will give you the approval. It sounds like a lot of work. So, I mean, obviously the work of putting together a course that meets those requirements, but also just, you know, the simple submitting it is there do you have to pay to submit for these kind of thing i know it might be different for different subjects but for you do you have to pay when you submit to all these different agencies so i we we do not Uh, these agencies uh, exist for the benefit of the student and the industry and and then they don't teach so you can't teach and be an accrediting agency you can't be an academy and an accrediting agency because if if you are it's like the fox garden hen house right so they have to be independent uh, now, there is a, um, an organization out there that will certify these courses for uh, most all states will accept them. So if you, get, if you get certified by the National Association of Instructors or something like that, anyway, then all states will accept it. And the problem is they charge. They charge $165 a credit hour to give that approval. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose to go ahead and submit to the states individually. And, you know, they, I just do their paperwork and and it, it's fairly easy. If if you've got one state or federal agency that's approved you, most all states will just follow suit just right after another because they understand that they're all the same. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So um, when students now, since it's an accredited course, do they get some sort of like certificate at the end of your master class or how, how do they take your course and then go apply for a job and have proof that you know they know what they they learned right so our the course does give a certificate at the end and then we provide uh some people request the uh, actual letter from abmdi certifying the course uh, we can send them that if they if they need that some don't require it some do but we make it available but they do get the certificate plus uh, the the uh, platform that i use to host our training on uh, it they have changed some things around. Actually, for me, I needed some things changed, and th- because they were like you, this course take the course, get better, and learn. But there's things they had to do to make sure it met accreditation. So now that they've done that, they can also verify with uh, employers that this person took the course and stayed in it for how long and things like that. Got it. And is that a platform like anyone can use for creating courses? Yeah, actually, it, it's called Law Enforcement Learning, and it's lawenforcementlearning.com. Oh, cool. um, 
they they're and I went to search for them when you know a couple of years ago when I had to find something, and so they teach a lot of uh, police and security type courses, and I know they teach a lot of courses that are like private, like a, a department will list all their courses on there, and their new hires will take it. It's not public; it's private to them. But if you've got a course that can it could in, in some way uh, benefit the law enforcement or police or security type and community, then the, you can you can host your course in there. there there's a lady in there that does a, a budgeting class. There's one that does a, a marriage mm. class. And so, you know, it, just because you're a police officer doesn't mean you don't, in fact, you mean more so do you need marriage counseling. So, uh, you know, that's a good <laughs> class. So, yeah, I mean, they probably wouldn't be interested in hosting, you know, how to write code or something, you know, because that doesn't really apply unless you could somehow make it fit. So it's kind of like a, a Udemy, but specifically for law enforcement teaching yeah, law enforcement, education higher ems yeah and so this yeah. is where you host your your courses and that do they take a percentage of revenue for hosting there yeah and in fact it's very fair um they take 70 percent of what i sell the course for and that's actually um there's there's some other platforms i've looked at but that that, that takes more Mm-hmm. But for this, to take um, they take thirty percent. So I retain seventy. I don't know okay. if I said that. Yeah, I think you said seventy. I was like, wow, that's high. <laughs> no, no, I retain seventy. So, so they take thirty percent. But for that thirty percent, of course, you know, they're processing the credit cards, they're taking mm-hmm. the risk on the chargebacks, and they're doing all the tech on the back end. So thirty percent is 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 what I meant to say. Thirty percent is not bad. I figured it up. If I was still paying credit cards and I still had to do tech and all that, it's way more than thirty percent. Mm-hmm. And do you get any benefit? Do they have like an audience of their own that like might find your courses on their website rather than you actually sending the traffic yourself? Yeah. And and in fact, we do have some organic uh, searches that way. And and rightfully, it's not as probably nearly what Udemy is or one of those other platforms, but, but, but they, they do have their own audience and they do market to their own audience. Uh, But again, I, market to my website and I send people from my website to that platform. Yeah. Um, so once they, once they want to register, then I send them there to register uh, because that way I can control my own feed type thing. Got it. Totally makes sense. So um, what's the, can you just give any sort of idea of like how many students are enrolling your, in your classes or have enrolled in your classes since you started? Is it, is it like five or 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 more <laughs> you're talking about all total yeah just like a, i'm just curious to know like who how many people are interested in this topic and uh, how and are finding your specific courses well i don't i don't know the exact count but i know that it's over the last year and a half or so it's been hundreds and, and in mm-hmm. fact i'll say this um this year um the year we're in we're on track to hit six figure revenue with our online courses Nice. Wow. That's awesome for, you know, this niche topic that it sounds like you're doing most of the promotion yourself for. That's awesome. So where, how did you get your very first student to, to buy your course? Well, of course that, you know, put it on law enforcement learning. I think I had one or two up at the time and just a podcast, just a corner talk podcast. I started talking about some courses that was available and, and, um, People went and checked them out, took them, liked them, and, and wanted more. And then I started asking what topics, and we started uh, filming and doing for those topics. And, uh, yeah, so that's how, that's how the first one was. And then since then, you know, we advertise other ways. But, yeah, the podcast was what really got our first students. Got it. So the podcast came, came before the courses. 
Oh, yes. Uh huh. Got it. Got it. So yep. um, talk about that. It, aside from the podcast, actually, what other ways are you driving students to your courses right now and getting new people kind of aware of you? So Facebook ads, but Facebook ads are not as uh, productive for us as what it seems to be for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, LinkedIn ads seem to be doing better, actually, and that's new to us is LinkedIn ads. But but there again, you're, uh, we can target a, a, a group of professionals that are on LinkedIn, and so it seems like that's doing better. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, Google AdWords, you know, we, we use Google AdWords, so when you look for things like death investigation training, coroner training, medical examiner, we come up. Not only do we come up generically, and we are usually on the first or second page, um, we also pay for the ad to be there as well. And then um, we do do direct mail, uh, which it sounds odd, and that sounds old-fashioned, but we do send out postcards and, and things to certain agencies, and, and that creates some, some excitement too. Nice. Yeah, that, that is cool. Um, a lot of listeners, and I know a lot of people in my classes and in my Facebook group, ask about ads and how to properly use ads with online courses. I think it, it works a little differently when you have your own courses and you're selling higher. It doesn't make as much sense to send ads to students and direct them to your course on Udemy where they're going to buy it for $10. Are you just sending people directly to like a course landing page? Are you sending them just to your website? Like, Where do people go from your ad? Or what have you seen works and what maybe hasn't worked? Yeah, so mostly we send them to our website um, on the e-learning page. So mm-hmm. that's, that's where they fall off to whenever they go to a, a generic ad. But if we're, if we're advertising, for instance, the full master class or it, uh, the coroner school class, the full master class, we will dump them to its own landing page. So, um, you know, it's a, we, we have that at coronerschool.com, and that has its own page, it, it, all kinds of information, and they register from there. So it kind of depends on the ad, uh, but a lot of times we will just put them to the generic e-learning page if they're just looking to individual courses. And if, and if we're advertising a specific course, then we can go to that. But normally, the only specific courses we, we will advertise is the big master class. The rest of them are just online learning as a whole, and we dump them off onto that main page. Yeah, I guess the goal is to get someone in the master class. How are you growing your email list? Uh, I, I mean, I see on your Corner Talk website that you have, you know, your opt-in box. Um, are you also growing an email list on the Death Investigation Academy website? And are you separating them, or is it all kind of one big email list that you're dealing with? Well, you just take it all up and throw it in the air, and where it lands is about what we're doing. <laughs> okay. Uh, because, but, because we're in the transition of redoing all of that. So, so again, this is growing. It's growing faster than we've been able to keep up, okay? So, so what we started out with AWeber, certainly nothing wrong with AWeber. They're fantastic. I got no, no bad words to say about them. But we have moved as of a couple of weeks ago to get response. And our, my main reason for get response is I can do the workflows and, and if this, then that, and tag, and, and which I'm glad I've hired somebody that knows that stuff because it's hard for me. So we do have two lists. We do have two campaigns, um, uh, Corner Talk and the Academy. But we are in the process of kind of merging those together uh, because eventually it is going to be one. Uh, but, uh, you know... And how we build our list, of course, we do have uh, lead magnets. Sometimes what pops up is just, hey, hey stay updated on uh, news and information and course and discounts, things like that. Uh, but probably within a couple of weeks, we're going to be having a, 
um, a new landing page. If you want to be involved, you go to a landing page, and it gives you your option. And it, the way I envision is is stay up to date on news and topics or enroll in this 12-week email course. And so I'll send an email every week with information about uh, some training and, and actually teach them something and give a value. And then, of course, the, the purpose of that is to eventually introduce them to the full masterclass. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Sounds like what everyone should be doing. With your email marketing right now, is there anything that you've seen that works? And I guess I'm a little curious, just aside from just directing people to your course page or your e-learning page where people can click and purchase your course, are you running promotions through email campaigns or just promotions in general or or just like how are you getting people who might have joined your email list to actually buy? Yeah, so we do we do all of that. We do run uh, promotions. Uh, we did not do it for Labor Day, but for Memorial Day, uh, we ran uh, an ad that that basically said, uh, "Save now, learn later," and and it was a fifty percent discount off of one of our most expensive single courses. So it was three days only. So. So I know you're busy. It's Memorial Day. Go have fun with your family. But go ahead and buy this now, and then you can take the course anytime. But you're only going to stay for three days. And it was kind of this, you know, uh, save now, learn later, and that kind of caught on. And so uh, we sold a lot of those courses during that time. And we're strict. If it goes off at midnight on Monday, it goes off at midnight on Monday. We, I, I, I know it, there's there's some argument to say, you know, that last person calls is, hey, you know, can I get this or email? No. I, to me, it's an integrity issue. I don't want somebody else mad because they took time to do it and, and whatever. Uh, but we do do that. And, of course, Cyber Monday and all that we, we run. And then every once in a while, we'll just have a pop-up sale. Um, I'll send an email out sometime that just says, you know, hey, uh, thank you for being part of the community. I think you're awesome what you're doing. And you know what? Here is uh, 50% off any course you want or something just to keep them motivated. And the reason we didn't do it for Labor Day is because we're in the middle of changing from AWeber to get response and getting all that done. And I wasn't comfortable that we wouldn't um, flub up. And I flub up make me look silly. And I just assume wait till I got it down pat. Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. I mean, having those strict deadlines, I think, works. And a problem... I'm coming from Udemy. I do sell my courses on my own site as well. But the problem with Udemy, the main issue is that because there's so many consistent sales, you can't control you know, having a limited time offer because there's a thousand other ways someone can get your course discounted. So having your own courses on your own site gives you that, that more control. So that's cool. Is there any time that you have failed doing something, trying to grow your podcast, trying to grow the courses that you've learned from? Yeah. Let me count the ways, right? I mean, <laughs> haven't we all? You know, something I don't, something like a specific failure, I, I, don't, I don't really know that I can think of a, of a, of a specific failure. Um, I mean, I've, I've messed up, just like I said about email. I flubbed up before. I've, I've, I've sent things out that shouldn't have been sent out. And I've made people mad or... Or, you know, I, I've been times where I haven't been as consistent in my podcast as I should have been. I've only missed a week, not like months. But, but you know, those I consider failures. But, you know, on the financial side, I've been really cautious about bootstrapping it. And uh, we're, you know, we're debt free. We're growing. Uh, but, it's, but you know, there's a lot of course sites and e-commerce sites that, you know, they put $50,000 into a project to sell on eBay and or on Amazon. I mean, that it doesn't sell. And so, 
we've not done that. We, um, we've been really cautious. And so we've made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, but no massive failures. Cause to me, the mistake is like, okay, don't do that again. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, well, that's good to hear. Um, man, sounds like you're doing so much, uh, with the podcast. Let's talk a little bit more about that. I think it's a great way to grow an audience, especially for a more targeted niche. Um, do you have any advice for people wanting to start a podcast? Yeah, start it. Uh, you know, if that, you know, that if you, if you have a topic that you are familiar with, a podcast is a great way. It podcast is a fantastic business card. And of course, you know, here we are taught preaching to the choir, so to speak, right? Because we're both podcasters, but, but if, but if you have content and, and decent audio, I, it doesn't have to be perfect audio. It doesn't have to be perfect, but decent. Learn how to be decent. You know, if you set your laptop up across the room and you're screaming at it, that's not going to be very good audio. But, but then be consistent. If if someone has a topic that they think uh, someone else could learn from, I think a podcast is a fantastic way to grow any business, even if it's a side business or even a local business, uh, because podcasts um, are great calling cards. I get my quote calling card into the ears of thousands of more people than I could ever hand an actual paper card to, and mm-hmm. I give them training along the way. Yeah, and what are your what is your podcast like? It sounds like you do it weekly. Is that weekly. right? And is it? Um, are you interviewing people? Is it just you talking about a specific subject or something? Generally. I'm having a discussion like we are now. I'm interviewing somebody or we're talking about something. There are times that I'm, I'm by myself. Uh, there's been times that I've had a training somewhere that turned out to be a really, really good section of that training, and I've, I've recorded it, and I've played that. But most of them are conversations that I'm having with either an anthropologist or maybe another uh, investigator, detective, or maybe a doctor or something. We're talking about a topic, and, and we try to break that topic down. But again, there's times where I just cover things myself. Yeah, cool. And it, you said, I think, and, at the beginning that you have 15,000 monthly listeners or so? Yeah, it, it averages but, but 15. It usually goes from like 14 to 16-ish, yeah. Nice, nice. And how, have people just found it from, you know, searching for it word of mouth? Or how, how did you grow it to that size? Well, I don't know. It just kind of happened. You just yeah. kept putting out content and... Yeah, and I think, and we just kept putting out consistent content. How, however, you know, we we do try to um, maximize the SEO for our for our show notes. You know, the the blog post, as you would, as coming out. And so, there are certain keywords that, if you're looking at in Google for things, we come up, and it's the Corner Talk podcast because we've talked about this or that subject. And so, that. Um, and we didn't necessarily, I didn't position it for Google AdWords. I was just trying to make the SEO right and, and, and what this is about. And so organically then Google has picked that up because this topic covers that topic. And, and, um, and so it has grown that way. So a lot of people have found the podcast simply because they were searching for uh, something, anthropology or, or skeletal remains or something. And they come across one of our articles that has a podcast attached to it. Um, and they thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, quick side note, uh, I just had somebody enrolled in the master class who is an anthropologist, and they were traveling through a certain area, and they were tired of listening to the radio. And the the husband was flipping through and found Corner Talk Podcast, and he goes, hey, you're kind of a 
kind of a death geek person and you might like this. So they started playing my podcast and she liked it. And they listened to four or five, heard me talking about the master class. When they got to where they were going, she enrolled in the master class. And that was simply by searching iTunes for keywords. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's the beauty of this whole online world. And if you have if you're providing, you know, what people want, which you are with the podcast, and then you're giving some extra with the master class. Hey, people are going to find you and you're going to make some money from it. You you kept talking about, you know, you said you, you talked about we it sounds like you and you talked about hiring someone to do your email marketing or help with that transition. That's another area where a lot of people we're we're bootstrapping. We're starting our our business by ourselves, and at some point things might start growing too fast, and we need to outsource or hire help. What do you have any advice for people looking to do that? I mean, in your own business, what what are you doing? Like the nitty gritty, and then what what are people helping you with? Right. So number one, there I don't do not use a VA. Uh, I think VAs are great. Um, I started to maybe use one. Um, don't have a problem with them. I don't have a problem with them. I think someday I'll probably have a VA. But I've got to the point where I needed help um, with just everyday stuff in the academy because now it's not just a podcast. It's also an academy, which means I have students, and we also do we also do classroom training. So I have people coming to seminars and things, and I have paperwork for that, things like that. Plus, the lady that uh, has went to work for me um, as a subcontractor owns her own media design company. And so she does web design and graphics and stuff for other companies. Well, we've partnered up really great because she's a subcontractor for me. So, um, you know, I'm not really her boss. So, uh, but we work well together. And so she works 20 to 30 hours a week for me, for our company. Um, and then, you know, she, uh, of course, has her own thing as well. So, and we've got some other agreements we do financially there, but she takes a lot of pressure off of me when it comes to the social media stuff, a web design. Uh, she's helping me learn, get response, things like that. Also, she'll do contacts she, it, it, to have someone on a show. She reaches out to people, schedules the people for me. Um, she takes care of our online store. She, she worked with vendors to get new vendors in there. So she does all that stuff because I also have a full-time job. I'm, I'm also an investigator. So trying to do all of this was getting to where I couldn't do it. And so my wife and I looked at this and decided, well, if there's, we should put all the money back in the business. But if there was any money to take out for ourselves, let's take that money and let's hire somebody to do the stuff that's taking time away from me producing more classes, teaching more. And so that's what we've done. So now uh, the revenue is there. But personally, I'm not making a dime yet. And we, and we hope by bringing her on, isn't that the goal, right? You bring her on, she should more than double her money or more. So that's the, and it looks like it's happening because nice. she, I'm now two people rather than one. Yeah, totally. I think that's something I need to do more of is reinvest some of the money to, to help grow because I am taking on a lot myself still. I, I have hired a TA to help answer questions, but, um, yeah, I, I think reinvesting is probably it, a better. Idea. It is the best thing. Now I know when we're started out you, me, one of your listeners, we have to do what we have to do and we have to just do it all. Um, but it was the best decision to go ahead and give that money up, and um, it, it she'll make her money out back plus. And my, the st- my stress is down, and we're able to focus on building the business. If it's just a hobby, it's just a hobby. But once we get to the point where we want to have a business, you, you cannot do it alone. And so I agree, Phil. You, you probably do need to hire somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of just that growth, do you have any sort of goals or a vision 
for coroner talk and your classes for the next few years? Yeah, uh, of course, you know, I'm a goal-oriented person. You know, I do the every quarter, six month, that thing. But but our goal, my wife and I's goal is for me to be able to be full-time in the academy by 2020. Nice. So uh, at this point, I, I believe that's probably going to happen. I'll be in my early 50s and probably time to, to maybe take some of my state retirement and go full-time with the academy. That that's the goal, and I think we can do it. I mean, it's growing, and we're and we're providing good content. Uh, we're getting great student reviews, and if we're keeping the students happy, that means we're doing it right. So, uh, yeah, that that's our ultimate goal is to be uh, full time by 2020. Also, of course, we're growing an online store with death investigation, police investigation type supplies. I um, saw that. Yeah, that's cool too. Yeah, and that's because you know that's just a side thing, but we're growing that. We do all that through dropship um, and fulfillment, and so that's helping us. Um, and then we also have just recently kind of an uh, interesting thing. Um, we got approved for Amazon Merch, and so now we're starting to push everything from. We also have it on our store, but we're also now putting it on Amazon Merch. We're still brand new to it, but um, you know we got to have five or six baskets of mm-hmm. something. Yeah, totally. Well, I think this and this kind of goes into kind of like the last questions or last topic, just final advice about getting started in a niche topic. But I think it's all I don't know if it's easier. I don't think it's easier. It's it's the same amount of work or maybe even more work. But you're building this brand where you're going to be the go to place for death investigation online and Maybe you already are. I mean, you have your podcast. And so in that sense, when you're thinking about in 2020, all you have to do is just kind of keep growing your audience. And the the niche is so small in the sense that not anyone can teach it that I feel like there's not much competition out there. Or I, get, I don't know. I didn't even ask this. Is there competition out there for these online classes? Not that I have found. In fact, our the intro to our podcast, uh, once it plays... Um, I come on and, and say hello, and, and I'll usually say something like, Welcome to the Corner Talk Podcast, the only podcast on iTunes dedicated to the men and women working the field of death investigation. Yeah. That's that a thousand fifty times. But um, that's what we are. We are the only one. Um, there's police shows out there. They kind of come and go. Uh, there's a couple of fire shows that do pretty good. But there's nothing out there in the field of death investigation. And so we do have that niche. And when it comes to online training there there really there's three and and uh there's me there's texas a&m university and there's university of north dakota those are really the big three who have online death investigation classes and i've looked at what they offer uh i made it better and cheaper so um we are you know we are in we are a big we are a, a big fish in a small pond kind of um mm-hmm. you know, but I'm not trying to put myself bigger than I am. Not at all. It's just that it is a niche. And so it isn't like anybody can go teach this. And so of the of the big three, we certainly rank up there with being noticed and and and, and people know who we are now is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So for someone who's trying to get started and maybe they are in more of a niche topic where and I've had this question before on on my classes where someone's teaching something there's not really classes on Udemy about it. Do you suggest them to just try it on their own platform before Udemy? Or I know you've you know, had somewhat success on Udemy. Um, but yeah, what, do you just, how, what's your advice for people getting started with a more niche topic? Well, if you 
Now, if you don't have to have it accredited, meaning uh, like your real estate example or death investigation example, then it opens up a lot more opportunity because you got like teachable, Skillshare, things like that. Uh, but they don't do what I need to track time. And like, like my videos can't be fast forwarded. You can't mm-hmm. scrub through them, can't fast forward them. You have to watch them. Um, and not very many courses are like that, but to get accredited. So if you don't need the accreditation, then, then do something like uh, Teachable or Skillshare uh, as opposed to Udemy if you're going to want to charge anything for it. Um, but, but if it's a niche, you can, if it's a niche and it's not out there, you got to ask yourself, why isn't it out there? Uh, some people will say it would be a product or a podcast. Well, if it's not out there, that because nobody's interested in it, but that's not always the case. It may not be out there because it's a niche that nobody has the time or the technology or the thought to create it. Um, there are successful podcasts and online shows about knitting and Phil, if you got people to sit and watch a show about knitting, you can watch them watch about anything. Yeah. I mean, so, it, it, you know, there's uh, uh, Glenn the Geek is a weird name, but he has Horse Radio, and it's a podcast. And he has some of the biggest advertisers. He makes uh, multiple six figures in advertising on his Horse Radio. It's a big show, and it's all about horses. And they advertise like manure forks and stuff. And I mean, you know, horses. But there's a lot of people that own horses. And so if you have a niche, you you can start advertising at Google AdWords, Facebook, get into groups, things like that. Don't be spammy. But it may. Oh, here's the other thing. It takes you a while. It. I have been with the podcast and now uh, a little after that we started our first course, three years. Everybody wants to get into this and think, well, if I'm not making $100,000 in six months, I'm out. Don't even start. It's, it's three years. Now, I've never asked you this, Phil, and I'll ask you. I'll turn the tables around here a little bit. Is three years ab- about right to grow a business to where you actually see any kind of a profit? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it took me three years until I quit my job um, or maybe longer. I was doing this on the side and, and I was making money, but I also wasn't reinvesting as much as I should have. But um, but yeah, no, I, I think I get the same question, whether it's for online teaching or for starting a YouTube channel. People are wondering why they're videos aren't getting views in the first month. And I look at their channel and it's like, oh, well, you've started a month ago. <laughs> so like lower your expectations. And I, I'm not, I don't be hard. I'm not harsh in the class when I respond, but sometimes I'm like, come on, you gotta like have a little bit of patience. So I think three years for sure. And that's why I always tell people to teach something that they're passionate about or start a business about what they're passionate about because you are going to be in it doing it for a while. So you got to be interested in it at least. And it's not that you won't see your, it's not that it takes three years to see your first dollar, but, but it, but it probably will take three years to have enough of those dollars that you can actually start making some decisions because every dollar you make up to that point really needs to be put back in the business because a podcast, online learning, things like that, you're probably got another job, right? So you're doing this part time, you're getting started. And so you've got the time for that to wait and you don't have to have the money completely to yourself. Put it back in and ads and things. Like that. That's the only way to grow any business. Um, if you're, if you're going to bootstrap it. Yeah, totally. Wow. This has been a great conversation. Is there anything that we miss? Anything else that you wanted to mention before we sign off? I think we covered most things. Yeah. You know, I don't think so. I mean, I would just reiterate, um, um, when it comes to podcasting or online training or whatever else, 
your listeners are listening because they either have uh, courses or they want to. And for those who want to, I'll just I'll just say this: just do it. It's going to suck. It's going to be horrible. You know, even shoot it with your iPhone. And I'll tell you what: iPhones are good cameras. Don't don't the iPhones are great cameras. Just do it because then you get the failure out of the way. If you call it a failure or whatever. Hey, my first my first course, I've I've re-recorded it. Let's just say that it's gone. <laughs> my first. You can go back to podcast number one with Corner Talk. And you'd be like, oh, man, this guy's been at this three years. But again, don't be embarrassed. Don't be bad about starting. Start somewhere and and move and go forward. Everybody can do it. And I mean, that's my big thing. I wish I could get everybody and just shake them and say, just just do it. It really just do it. But that would be my last thing word, I guess. I love it. I love it. Darren, this has been awesome chatting with you. I'm glad you reached out. And Darren's a listener of the show. So thank you so much. I totally appreciate it. And I think you've helped out and inspired a lot of people. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah, Phil, thank you. And thank you for what you're doing. Again, I am a listener of your podcast, and I listened to it for a long time. And, um, you know, you bring a lot of value. And I, I appreciate what you do. So keep that up. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to fast track your success, head over to onlinecoursemasters.com and sign up for your free trial of my flagship program, the Online Course Masters Masterclass. Yep, that's right. It's a masterclass designed to take you from zero to hero, creating and selling your very own online courses. If you haven't done so yet, please leave a review for this show wherever you listen. This is how we can help expand our audience and help teach the world. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week in the next edition of the Online Course Masters show.